Well, thank you so much. Once again, it is so, it's such a privilege to be here with you tonight. Uh, if you have a copy of God's Word, please turn into 1 Thessalonians. We're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 tonight. And tonight's going to be um, maybe just a slightly different uh, type of missions message, I suppose, maybe. Um, but we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And um, tonight I'm not going to talk about money. Uh, I'm not going to talk about that. But what I am going to talk about is something that in my life and in my heart was something that God truly had to grow me in. And it's something that when we talk about missions, it's incredibly vital. <clears throat> and it's ultimately this, taking the gospel outside of the doors of the church. I think a lot of us are very good about talking about Jesus, talking about the Bible, talking about our faith at church, but there's a world outside this building that needs to know the Lord, and what are we doing to reach them? See, I told you that I grew up in a pastor's home. My dad is still a pastor in Kansas City, Missouri, <clears throat> but sharing my faith is something that I used to really struggle with. When I was in high school, I went to a public high school, and, and I had this friend whose name's Chris, and Chris and I were very different. Chris was an atheist. Chris drank. Chris did drugs. He did a lot of, a lot of things that were different than me. But we, the one thing we had in common is we sang in choir together. And uh, one day, Chris and I were, were in the choir room, and he says, you know, Brian, you're the type of Christian that I like. And I, I know Chris is, a, Chris is a staunch atheist, so I said, well, why is that? He said, well, because, uh, you know, you go to church, your dad's a pastor, and that's good for you but you never talk about it. Like, what my friend said to me as a compliment from his perspective is one of the worst things someone could say about us as a Christian. It's basically saying, hey, the thing I like about you as a Christian is that you're a really bad Christian. And, and the fact is this, that each of us have people that God has uniquely placed in your path and in my path that we can reach for the gospel. There's people you know I'll never know. And God's placed them in your path for a reason, for you to be a light to the gospel to them. In 1989, there was a song by uh, Christian singer Steve Green that came out, and the song's called The Mission. Some of you probably know this song. And in this song, he says this, Across the street or around the world, the mission is still the same. Proclaim and live the truth in Jesus' name. And when it comes to missions, I'm afraid sometimes, I, I know this is true for me, we can put so much emphasis on the around the world part at the neglect of the across the street part. But every single person equally needs the Lord. And so how do we get them the gospel? See, I'm a missionary to Ireland, and missions is my life, but it can be yours too. And it doesn't have to be vocational, but it just requires you taking the gospel seriously. I heard a pastor say recently that we can never repay the gospel. Right? We can never repay Jesus for saving us, but we can pay the gospel forward by sharing it with someone else. How do we share the gospel forward? And that's what I'm going to talk to you about tonight. In God's word, I'd like for you to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're just going to read three verses tonight, verses 8, 9, and 10, about this issue of sharing the gospel. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8 says, So being affectionately desirous of you, he's saying because of our, we're motivated because of our love for you, we were willing to have imparted unto you, not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because you were dear unto us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and our travail for laboring night and day, because we not, would not be chargeable unto any of you. We preached unto you the gospel of God. And ye are witnesses, and God also, how holy and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that 
believed. One of the very first things I remember from going to school as a kid was show and tell. Does anybody here remember show and tell? Anyone remember it? If you don't know what show and tell is, I'll explain it. It's super, super complicated. Show and tell is where you would bring something to school and you would show it and tell about it. That's show and tell. You maybe do it here. But when I was in kindergarten, I brought this pair of deer antlers for show and tell. Now, I'm not a hunter, but my dad is, and what I'm told is you take these deer antlers and you go out, and when deer are in rut, you rustle these deer antlers together. The deer will hear the sound, comes with the sound. You shoot the deer in the face or something like that. But that's what I'm, that's what I'm told, something along those lines. So I bring this pair of deer antlers to school, and there's this little girl I have this crush on. Her name's Sarah Bowen. And little Sarah Bowen comes up to me, and she says, Hey, Brian, what are those deer antlers for? And I said, Well, Sarah, come here, and I'll show you. And I take these deer antlers... And as hard as I can, I just smash him on the side of her head. I, I know. It didn't work out between us. We're not married today. But uh, she cried, and I got in trouble, and I failed miserably at show and tell that day. But what I want to show you from God's Word is that when it comes to sharing the gospel, each of us can reach somebody for Christ if we'll get back to a simple thing we did as kids, showing and telling. And I think we're going to see that modeled for us by the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. See, not one person can't reach everybody for Jesus, right? There's just too many people. But everybody can reach one person for Jesus. Everybody in this room can reach at least one person for Jesus. But how do we do that? How do we get the gospel to people? When it comes to sharing your faith, I want you to think of it like an airplane that has two wings. And on this airplane of our evangelism, on this airplane of sharing our faith, there's two wings. And one of them is this, the conduct of your life. And the other wing is this, the conversation of your life. Conduct and conversation, showing and telling. And if we are going to make an impact for Jesus in this world, both of these must be present. And like I said, I think we're going to see this modeled for us by the Apostle Paul tonight. But I want you to back up just a couple verses to first. Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 4 because I want you to see why Paul took this issue of sharing the gospel so seriously. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 4 says this, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, I'm going to read that part again, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God with trieth our hearts. Paul said this, I've been allowed of God to be entrusted with the gospel. I think sometimes as Christians, we can get it so backwards that any little thing we do for the Lord, we're like patting ourselves on the back, like God is so lucky to have me serving him. But Paul recognized that he'd been allowed to have the gospel. He'd been entrusted with the gospel. He knew he was a steward of the good message that Jesus Christ can save sinners, who he viewed himself as the chief one. So he knew as a response to that, he had to share Christ. And how did he do that? By showing and telling people Jesus. So that's what I want to look at tonight. Let's first look at this issue of how do we tell people the gospel. Look back at verse 8 and verse 9 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Once again, he's saying, we're motivated because of our love for you. He said, so being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you, not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because, we, uh, because you were dear unto us. 
And verse 9, For ye remember, brethren, our labor and travail, for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you. We preached unto you the gospel of God. He's saying, listen, we cared enough about you that we were going to share the gospel with you. See, there's a, there's a phrase that you've maybe heard before, and it's this. People will say, preach the gospel daily, and if necessary, use words. On the surface, that sounds good. The only problem with that is the Bible. Because the Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Nobody will ever come to know Jesus Christ just by osmosis of being around you if you never open up your mouth and tell them. And Paul's saying, listen, we cared enough about you that we shared our lives with you, but we also shared the gospel with you because you were dear unto us. See, I'm going to Ireland as a missionary. And, and, and like I said, one of the things I love about Ireland is that they speak English. When churches support me to go to Ireland, they're not supporting me to go learn a new language for two to three years when I first get there. From day one, I can begin my ministry in Ireland, and it's a great opportunity as a missionary. And as I travel the United States on deputation, people come up to me and they say, man, what a good opportunity you have to go to a country where people speak your language and you can go talk to anybody about Jesus. And I agree, that's a great opportunity. But what if I were to tell you about a magical place that existed that you could have that exact same opportunity that I have as a missionary to Ireland? I'm about to blow your minds. You're there right now. Right? The same opportunity I have to go to a country that speaks my language that everybody recognizes. Man, as a missionary, that's a great opportunity to go where they already speak your language and you can share the gospel with them. We have that opportunity here, but we just don't take, take advantage of it. We have that opportunity here, but we do not take advantage of it. And God may not have called you vocationally to be a missionary, but if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you have been entrusted with the gospel. You have been placed in trust with the gospel, and we are a steward of the gospel. And every day you go into a mission field, every day you go into a mission field, and you should be able to articulate to somebody what Jesus did to save you. You may not have every verse in the Bible memorized, I know your pastor does, I don't, but uh, you might not have every verse in the Bible memorized, but you should be able to tell somebody what Jesus did to save you. My pastor likes to encourage us to share our story. This is nothing groundbreaking, but if you're a Christian here tonight, you should know what your story is, and your story has three parts. Your life before you met Jesus, how you came to know Jesus, and your life since Jesus. And let me just share with you my story. I was born into an awesome Christian home. My dad was a youth pastor. My mom played piano um, for the church. And when I was five years old, my best friend Curtis got to swim in front of the church. I was like, that's the coolest thing ever. I want to swim in front of the church. They're like, you mean you want to get baptized? I was like, yeah. They're like, well, you got to get saved first. And I was like, okay, well, let's do the saving thing so we can do the swimming thing. And I just prayed this prayer with no idea what I was doing. I was still lost as lost could be. I prayed a prayer just so I could get baptized. And I knew early on I, I was still in my sin. I had not called on the Lord for salvation. I had just prayed this prayer uh, not knowing what I was doing. And I struggled with that for years. But then fast forward a little bit, and my mom gets sick with cancer. And when I'm 12 years old, I'm the pastor's son, and my mom died of cancer. And I was still lost, but I was angry and bitter towards God. In my mind, I was like, man, if God will take my mom from me who loved him and served him, maybe I don't even want to go to heaven. Maybe I don't even think God is good, or maybe I don't even think God is real. And as a 12-year-old pastor's kid, on the outside looking in, everything was fine. Like, you know, I, I was still at church all the time, but I was lost and headed for hell, and I was angry and bitter towards God. 
And that's my life before I met Jesus. But thankfully, my story has a part two. And so does yours if you know the Lord. And for me, it's that then part two of my story is how I came to know Jesus. And it's that when I was 13 years old, I was on my way back from a youth trip. And my youth pastor and his wife were giving me and my brother a ride home. And on this trip, our youth pastor's wife had led a girl to the Lord. And she's talking to her husband, and I'm in the back seat. And she's telling her husband all the questions she asked this girl. She said, if you were to die today, you're 100% sure you'd go to heaven. If you were to stand before God and you said, why should I let you into heaven? What would your answer be? And I'm in the back seat. And in that moment, I realized I didn't have an answer for those questions myself. And in that moment, the reality of heaven, the reality of hell, it hit me. And I realized that my anger and my bitterness was never going to bring my mom back, but my sin was leading me to separation from God and hell. So I knew I needed to get saved. And so I knew all the verses. So when we got home, I grabbed my Bible, and of all places, I went into the bathroom. And I knelt at the toilet. And that's where I prayed and called on Jesus and asked him to save me from my sins. And I like to tell people that right there at the throne, my sins were flushed away. And that's how I came that's part two of my story. That's how I came to know the Lord. And my story also has a part three, and so does yours if you're a Christian tonight. And that's my life since Christ. And for me, it's not that everything's been perfect. I've certainly never done all the right things. But I do know this. In the ups and the downs and the trials of life, there's never been a single day I've walked alone. I know I'm secure in the Father's hands. I know that God has a plan for my life, and that's my story. And if you're a believer here tonight, you have a story as well, and you need to tell people your story. You need to tell people the gospel. We have to open up our mouths and tell people about this gospel of Jesus Christ. Because Paul said, listen, because we were affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you, not the gospel of God only, but that was part of it. They definitely shared the gospel but also our own souls, because ye were dear unto us. There's people in your life that you love, but you are withholding the gospel from them. We need to really stop and consider what is stopping us from telling people about Jesus. But the next thing I want to look at, how do we show the gospel? We tell the gospel, but how do we show it? Look back at verse 8. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, that was part of it. They shared the gospel, but also our own souls, because ye were dear unto us. Now look down at verse 10. And ye are witnesses, and God also, how holy and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believed. He's saying, listen, we shared the gospel with you, but we also lived lives in front of you that backed up the message that we preach, that Jesus can change everyone. We, back, we lived lives in front of you that were holy and just and unblameable because we had been radically changed by this Jesus that we preach to you. See, Matthew 5 speaks of this principle. It says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. People should see your life and my life and realize there's something different about us. Not something weird about us that you're just some huge weirdo no one ever wants to be around. But they should notice that there is something different about us in the sense that there's some things we don't do and some things we do. And the motivation behind that is that we truly believe and have been changed and live our lives by this book. See, we need to be preaching the gospel with our mouths. But if the way we live in front of people is inconsistent. If the way we live in front of people is completely contrary to the things we're saying with our mouths, what kind of witness are we being? So we've all heard this saying, 
People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that's true. But I firmly believe that people don't care how much you know about Jesus until they know how much you care about Jesus. Because there's a whole lot of people with a lot of head knowledge about this book, but it doesn't change the way that they treat people or respond to people. And one thing I've learned in life, and oftentimes it's just from being an idiot, is that it's one thing to act like a Christian, like, especially like, let's throw out social media. It's one thing to post Bible verses or post, you know, inspirational quotes. And it's one thing to act like a Christian. It's another thing to react like a Christian. If someone disagrees with us, if someone wrongs us, especially someone who's not a believer and someone who lives differently than us, it's one thing to act like a Christian. It's another thing to react like a Christian. But the words we say and the way we live should both match up to point people to Jesus. Paul's saying, listen, the church, you are witnesses to the fact that we live lives that were holy and just and unblameable. What would people say if we asked them, the people we spend our lives with? Would we say, hey, do they try to live a life that is holy? Do they try to live a life that is just and fair? Do they try to live a life that is blameless? Obviously, they're not going to be perfect. But what type of example are we being in front of people? The conduct of your life should point people to your Savior. Paul's saying, listen, we preached the gospel to you, but the way we lived our lives gave a credibility to the message that Jesus can change anyone. So you might be here tonight and think, Brian, that's great for someone else, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know the things that have gone happened in my life. You don't know these painful, hurtful things that's happened to me. God can't use my life, can't use my past, can't use all these things. Let me tell you this. On your own, you're 100% correct. If you take your past, if you take your past hurt, the things that you've done, the things that have been done to you, and you hold on to them yourself, it's going to be of no good to anyone, and it's just going to be like a weight around your neck. But when you give those things to the Lord and say, God, there's some hurtful things in my past, there's some sinful things in my past, but I'm not defined by that anymore. I'm defined by your grace. I'm defined by your mercy. I'm defined by your forgiveness. I want all of it to be yours. I want my life to be a living testimony. God can use your life to point people to the fact that he can change anyone. How do I know that? Because the person who wrote that we live lives that were holy and just and unblameable is the Apostle Paul, who did not always live a life that was holy and just and unblameable. He calls himself in 1 Timothy the chief of sinners. He persecuted Christians. He blasphemed God in his ignorance, but he was radically changed, and his life was a testament to the fact that the gospel changes people. My question for you is, are you demonstrating that in your own life? Are you demonstrating to people that God can change anyone? Starting today, God can use your life to point people to his grace and his mercy. Just to wrap all of this up, let me, let me just say this. A couple minutes ago, I said one of the great tools we have to share the gospel with people is our story. But you can't share a story that hasn't happened. Like, I would love to tell you about all the awesome adventures of having traveling the country as a missionary with my pet otter. Unfortunately, I don't have a pet otter. If you know an otter guy, let me know. I'm in the market for one. That'd be awesome. But I don't have that, so I can't tell you those stories. Otherwise, it's a lie. You might be here tonight even in a Sunday night crowd at this church, and the only part of your story that's been written is your life before Christ. You might be here tonight and you don't know the Lord as your Savior. There's never been a time that you called on Him for salvation. You called on Him for salvation from your sins. 
Tonight can be the night that you call on Jesus. Tonight can be part two of your story, the night that you met Jesus. And then from here on out, he will be writing a beautiful story of his grace and his mercy and his redemption in your life. But for those of us who are Christians, I want to say something, and it's going to come across as strong, but I promise I'm speaking it to myself as well. If we speak the gospel, but we do not live the gospel, then we are hypocrites, right? Like if we talk about Jesus, but we don't live for Jesus, then we're hypocrites. But also, if we live the gospel, like if we live for Jesus, if we come to church, if we even maybe even get to church or serve at church, if we live for Jesus, but we don't speak of Jesus, then we are cowards, it is only when we are faithful, both in telling of Christ and living for Christ, that we're living in obedience to Christ. Let me tell you the reason this matters so much to me. The very first trip I took to Ireland was in 2016. This is a year before I got my sign. And I was there with my dad, and I was just praying about if that's where God would lead me. And I'm sitting there with my dad at St. Patrick's Cathedral in the courtyard. I'm eating fish and chips. There's Irish people all around. It was just awesome. And I was sitting there, and I was praying. And I remember praying, God, if you will lead me here, if you will send me here, I will give my life to tell these people about you. That's a really spiritual-sounding prayer, right? I'm expecting the second I pray that, just boom, yep, this is what I want. But when I prayed that, I didn't feel confirmation. I actually felt conviction. Because when I prayed that prayer, it was as if God was burdening my heart, saying, hey, Brian, that's great. You're saying you'll come here and tell people about me. Who are you even telling about me where I already have you placed? Who are you even telling about me where you're already at? See, I was willing to say, hey, God, I'm going to go do something somewhere else that I'm not even doing where I'm at now. So I came back from that trip with no confirmation one way or another of what God wanted for my life. But what I did come back knowing was that I needed to take the gospel more seriously. Because if God was going to use me as a missionary, I wanted to have a track record of taking the gospel seriously, of sharing Christ with people, of discipling people, of training people for ministry to say, hey, I'm going to go to Ireland to do what God's already used me to do here. I'm just doing it in a different location that God has called me to. See, as a missionary, I don't want to be like a Christian mercenary or this like gospel hitman where people say, hey, here's money. You go share the gospel to absolve us our responsibility of it. We talk about well, you can be involved in mission by praying and giving and going. Involvement in one of those does not absolve our responsibility to the other two. Just because you're praying for missionaries doesn't mean you don't have a responsibility to give to missions. Just because you're giving doesn't mean you don't need to go. Just because I'm going doesn't mean I can just do it on my own power without praying. We need to be involved as much as possible in God's beautiful plan to save the world because he has entrusted us with the gospel. See, missions works when the goal of the church and the goal of the missionary is the exact same. To make the name of Jesus Christ known, to go and tell sinners, come and be reconciled to the God who can save you. We're just doing it in the unique place God has called us to. See, that's why this matters so much to me. See, I'm going to Ireland to take this message, but I'm here tonight telling you this message, and maybe you need to respond to it tonight. See, in just a second, we'll have a time. If you need to respond, and if you need to talk to me, talk to your pastor, talk to someone else, we will take a Bible and show you how you can meet Jesus tonight. But maybe there's someone that came to your mind, and you're like, you know what? God has placed them in my path, and I've never told them the gospel. 
I've never told them about Jesus. I've just kept my mouth shut around them. Maybe you need to pray, God, give me the boldness to share Christ with them. Maybe tonight you're like, man, I talk a lot about Jesus, but my walk does not back up my talk. And there's something in my life I need to remove so I can be a consistent witness. I don't want to be a hypocrite anymore. I want both the things I say and the way I live to match up and both of them to point people to Jesus. So if you need to respond, you'll have an opportunity in a moment, but I'm going to turn the service over to your pastor. I just want to thank you so much for this opportunity to be here. Thank you for this opportunity to come to your church and just share with you God's word and about my ministry to Ireland.